Hello and welcome to this very special edition of Inglorious Artists. This is a roundtable discussion with some previous guests about creativity in general and what they're doing in particular. Uh, or a, an oval table in this case, because that is what we have. Any which way, let's just get right into it. Uh, we have Simon Romula from all the way back in episode two, uh, which was almost a year ago or around a year ago. I mentioned. Yes. And you're a cartoonist, uh, illustrator, things like that. Yes. And we have Christian Urutia, uh, who's a filmmaker from episode three. Yes. And we have Vanessa Poole, actor from episode four. Hello. Mm. And we have Emmy, Eva Maria Elia. Mm. Uh, you're a video artist and uh, performance artist and yeah. also been directing, etc. Et yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, we said it was like episode nine, mm -hmm. yeah. And Henry Kensinger, uh, who's much more recent, like two episodes ago, and you're a director and the first AD uh, and things like that. So we got a pretty good mix. No, no musicians. I'm a bit sad about that. I wanted to have some musicians here to mix it up. With what we want to do is just discuss creativity. Um, Simon, you said we, before we started recording that the one thing we all have in common is that we're storytellers. Yeah, That's one way or another, we're storytellers. Yeah. Uh, do you all consider yourself storytellers? Absolutely. Yeah. Always. Absolutely. Always. Mm. Yeah. Mm. What's the story you're telling when you're doing performance art? Metaphors, I guess. Uh -huh. Yeah. Telling stories through metaphors. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, I'm so stuck in... Uh, like the mindset because I just came from the studio coming here so I'm just like mm -hmm. yeah I'm, I'm very much like focused on something I'm doing right now so I'm I can't really step back I'm gonna try and step back today and be like mm -hmm. yeah let's talk about my creativity but at the moment I'm just trying to ride a hoverboard in high heels that's my main focus right now so, you, you mean literally <laughs> yeah literally ah so <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a, and it's like it's not just high heels like that it's like stilettos okay so I'm Yes. But that, that's so, part of your creativity. It's though, part of the it? metaphors of my storytelling. Okay, sure. Yeah. I wanted to check in, so that's a good way to start doing that. So you're working on, on a new performance. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be... Can you tell us anything about it? Or uh, um, is it under yeah, wraps? Yeah, it's about the journey of my alter ego. So mm -hmm. I start from the beginning, and I'm right in the middle of the process of this development. Uh, I will dye my hair soon, so it'll be more... Punk, <laughs> that's the mm -hmm. plan. And um, yeah, I'm gonna perform. Huh? Pinkish or what? Uh, it's gonna be the. It depends on the project. Uh, when I'm doing one kind of alter ego, I'm go. I go blue, and this other part, which is more like an activist, uh, I go purple. So yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> so big, long. big transition. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, and I'm gonna do the performance here in Malmo on the twenty fourth. Okay. Yeah. So. Of August. Ah, sure. Yeah. This is coming out before then. Mm, <laughs> will, mm, mm, will you be on the hoverboard in stilettos yeah. during the performance? Yes. Oh, wow, we can't miss this. And I'm learning <laughs> lines. I haven't done acting before, but I'm actually trying to like learn oh. techniques for learning lines, huh. which I've never done before, because I'm the director with the script behind the camera normally. 
before I went into performance yeah. art. So yeah. Amazing. Full on. All right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, is it your story? Yeah, that you're telling. Mm-hmm. It's I guess uh, like a biography told through an alter ego, which is like a sex doll cyborg. But it's not very <laughs> autobiography. I mean, mm. <laughs> you're not really a sexual cyborg. <laughs> Let's not get too private here. Well, we, 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 we said you were kind of a cyborg since you've got metal yeah. parts inside you and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah. yeah, which is really weird when you ride a hoverboard because the muscles in your back is like really sort of. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you've got something in a rod in your back. So yeah, so when I'm, I'm getting off the hoverboard, I'm like, like I'm a proper oh. transformer. <laughs> so stiff, like, oh. Yeah, but mm. yeah, I'll, I'll I'll tell you more when I'm. Uh, let's talk about your storytelling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been taking up five minutes already. Bloody hell! Just, it's fine. We should yeah. just go and see it on the twenty fourth. Yes, you yeah. should. Absolutely. At the uh, Teaterhögskolan, where I'm cool. currently doing a summer course. Great. Cool. Highly yeah. recommend it. Actually, you got a big mm. studio. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's a national drama school for everybody who need to know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you were just here recently, so not yeah. much more has been going no, on. Uh, still struggling with that. Uh, yeah, that new story, feature yeah. film story. Mm. The science fiction feature film story. No, no cyber, no cyborgs in that one. But, no? but uh, definitely in space, though. Mm. Mm. Cool. Yeah. Yep. And Simon, what's been going on? You've been to some conventions and stuff like that during the year. Uh, well, let's see. About a year ago, so. I've been to three conventions actually. Mm. I think that's a new record. Oh really? Yeah. And that's you, something you're going to continue doing? You think? Well, uh, this year I think I'm up. Uh, I'm like reached my quota. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of focusing just now on producing new art for 2019. Mm-hmm. So no more conventions for this year, but uh, next year we'll see. Oh yeah. And Christian, you're in the same boat as Henrik, basically, aren't you? Uh, maybe, without the exploding computer, though. But <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, Henrik had an exploding computer, we talked about that before. And that's a real, real-life experience, not a storytelling one. No, no, well, you <laughs> yeah. can tell a story. <laughs> I'll, I will. I, maybe you should, I, put, well, it, you should put it in the movie. Not as bloody. It's not Because that's exciting. usually, yeah, it's a very plot twist kind of thing. Mm. And the computer explodes. I think it's something the sexual cyborg would definitely do, is blow up his laptop. Oh my god. <laughs> Once I get yes. a budget, I will do it. Yeah. Was, was it you? <laughs> I'm not selling it. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, well, I, I, I just started rewriting uh, my script yeah. for the third uh, version. Third draft? Third draft, mm. yeah. Uh, I've been trying to accumulate like certain life experiences. Uh, so then I'm putting that into the script and try to understand more like the drama and the conflict and the you know the back and forth and the plot twist and the, the character the character development and all that there's some autobiographical element to oh, absolutely. story too yeah. absolutely yeah the last year I've been through certain events that have given me I mean that you know negative things always give you a, a, a positive way of seeing life that you can you know you can always translate negativity into art and mm. make it a good thing so it's going to become a better movie now than it would have been if I would have been done with the script a year ago and done the movie mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. much more complex. Uh, so yeah, yeah, sometimes you got to let it marinate. Mm. Yeah. And bring yeah. in the pain, eh? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Definitely. Mm. And, the, and, and, and more than just the pain because that, that's something very important about like storytelling or art. I think some people get stuck very much into one emotion but I think like really good art has this ambiguity 
of two things that shouldn't fit together. Mm-hmm. Like, because human beings were like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I've started to understand more about the other characters and, and like, I want this, but actually I don't want this. Mm-hmm. And then how this dynamic starts uh, to play off. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to. All right. Mm-hmm. And since uh, we had you on, uh, you had, uh, you were talking about doing Venus and Fur. You were about to do that yes. play. And yes. I went to see it, and it was one of the best uh, plays I've ever seen, actually. It was really, really good. I, I loved it. It was a, a great job, and I, I didn't know... I haven't seen the, the play before, so I didn't know about the script and everything. It's a really cool story. So, yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, since you. then, you've uh, been busy. And, been busy, yeah. uh, absolutely. Um, I, I do theatre in English, and... Uh, had to recover from the Venus and Fur experience. This mm-hmm. was this time last year. Uh, then I did a, a great show in Copenhagen, um, Vanya, Sonia, Mashan, Spike, mm. which you can hear is a sort of Chekhov, reworked, surrealist, American, hilarious black comedy version that brought the house down, actually. Mm. And, and if I'm allowed to say, we were actually nominated for Best Foreign language uh, play in in Copenhagen of of the season. We didn't win. You are allowed to say. <laughs> but but there was it was it's nice to be if there is a nomination it's nice it's nice it's to always, be included. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um which was which was great. And I actually wanted mm-hmm. to bring it over to 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 Malmo. Mm-hmm. But I could I couldn't it's a big production complicated and I couldn't get all the people in mm-hmm. for the dates I had in Malmo so unfortunately but it, that was great. So that that took up the spring. Mm. Um also with my English theatre company here in Malmo Playmate Theatre Malmo. Yes. Uh, I did a... It has been busy. Wow, now you're asking mm. me. Yeah. Uh, we did Lettuce and Lovage. Mm. A Peter Schaffer play, very British, very very comedic, um, with Bouwil Marie Larson, who maybe you know. She's oh, just yeah, been in... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I work with her. Yeah, yeah she's fabulous. She's, she's just, really good. She's great. She's yeah. doing the, the lead as uh, Sancho Panza in uh, Don Quixote, Don Quixote at Trilling at the Altar. Oh, yeah, yeah. So oh, at mm. the moment, so tonight's her, her, last, her last night. Oh, mm. Yeah. yeah. She has to be. Oh, she's yeah. fabulous, <laughs> fabulous clown and, and loving and wonderful, clever, bright, brilliant. Anyway, so we did Lettuce and Lovage together, which was a, like, a, like a two-hander, um, which, which actually um, we're hoping to tour with again in, in the winter. But at the moment, right now, and you said you're into your sexual cyborg moment yeah. at the moment, mm. and, and we're in, in mid-rehearsal for our September production at the Bastionen, mm. which is Quality Street, A Night at the Theatre. And I'm hoping that people in Sweden know what Quality Street is, the the, the, the British chocolates, the oh, tin yeah. chocolates. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, please, 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 please the tin box. The tin box, the purple and the white. Oh, yeah, I'm really hoping yeah. you do. No. Sorry. <laughs> oh, actually, I might have seen that one. Yeah. You, see, you have them mm. at Christmas often? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With an old-fashioned lady on the front. Anyway, the idea is it's, it's, it's a chocolate box, a tin. It's a tin of mixed chocolates. You know, yeah. some are mm. nutty, some are hard, some are sweet, some are soft, oh, some yeah. are toffee, some are chewy. Mm. And we're hoping that that's the night of the theatre. That, that, and that's the stories we want to tell. Some are um, some are dialogues, some are monologues, some are stories, and they're all. We've, we've cho- half of them are British stories, and half of them are American. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we've tried to pick not obvious choices, so we've we've tried to choose really quality playwrights and storytellers. So uh, Pinter, who's a classic, mm-hmm. Christopher Durang, American surrealist, uh, Ted Hughes, um, British poet and author. Um, Willie Russell, who did Educating Rita, for example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but we're not doing Educating Rita; we're doing other other works. Um, we've we've tried to kind of um, 
We've got some vintage classic TV, British TV, BBC moments that we're sort of mm-hmm. recreating, all within our theme. Also, oh, I don't know if these people are known in, in, in Sweden, the two Ronnies. Oh, yeah. Ronnie Corbett and... Ron, uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Barker. Barker, yeah. A bit of Monty Python we're throwing in as well. Uh, a bit of Fry and Laurie, just because mm-hmm. I mean, we're adapting everything. We're using that, that as inspiration. And we've, we've taken all these, these sort of chocolate, cho- chocolate box pieces of, of theatre magic that, that mm. we all love that we all knew, pieces we knew and felt worked for us and that, that we respond to somehow. Mm. Uh, we brought them to the table. It was actually a very painful process and remind me never to do it again. Just give me a script and I will learn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, never do it again. Never do it again. Mm. But absolutely fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, creative process. And, and we're, we're telling stories, t- mm. stories of, of, um, of love and loss and loneliness. And I think like, like a like a tin of chocolates it's it's going to be a feel-good evening a bit like have you seen the second Mamma Mia film uh, no. okay some people hate it some people love it so but it's not it's not just a feel-good evening it's got it's got darkness and it's got laughter it's got drama it's got delight it's got a bit of music a bit of tap dancing oh my god mm-hmm. if we manage to pull it all together on the hoverboard yeah, no hoverboard. <laughs> but I mean, we, we, we have another six weeks of rehearsal to go, so we <laughs> might, we might, you never know. It's, it's a dynamic. We have a wonderful choreographer, uh, Lydia Voss, who mm-hmm. maybe you know. Um, Another name, yeah. Yep, yep. So we're, we're not, we're not, we're not dancers, but we're trying to make this a, a chocolate box experience. Mm. So tap dancing on a hoverboard. That's the next thing. You know, <laughs> it could be. Mm. It could be. Cost me. <laughs> I'll be there. So how, how many how many little stories are you going to tell? Are you going to do like the like the Swedish calendar thing of twenty four? No, we have no? To, we uh, wow, that's a fun idea. Mm. But, but I thought that, that was a like oh a, wow, a, a sadly not. Oh, like, okay. like the cal- like the yeah, I know I what you mean. Exactly. No, sadly we're not doing that. Oh, okay. oh what a good idea! No, well, I wish we were. <laughs> <laughs> we should we, have done this before. <laughs> we should have done. We have two acts. I think we have like nine. Nine scenes or nine sketches in the yeah. first, and nine, but some are short, mm. some are like you know, two, three minutes. Oh. And of course, we have transitions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Mm. We have top hats and tails and canes, diamond studded uh, canes, oh. it's really fun. And then mm. we deconstruct, so we use it as this, the theme is not only the, the, the tin of, of chocolate box theatre magic, chocolate box theme, mm. but also there's a, there's a sort of framework which is a, um, a sort of cabaret review, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, 1940s, glamorous, and then we deconstruct it. We peel off, we take off the top hat, we take off the, mm. the tails, and then we get down to the, to the nitty-gritty, to the laughter and the pain and the drama. Oh. Um, mm. Well, it's either going to be really bad or it's going to be really good. Well, it sounds good. Ah. <laughs> so we'll, far. We'll see. Yeah. Well, as long as it's done, that's the most important thing. Yeah. Like, you have to do art, and then whatever happens with it, then you learn, and then you do something better the next time. So. <clears throat> yeah. Well, we, we believe in it. Um, I think we've been lucky. What we've done so far, we've done one year of English theatre in, in Malmö, one season, and people have liked what we've done so far. Mm. Um, but this is a little different. It's more like devised theatre, and, and the, the director, Jeremy, who lives in Copenhagen, who's American, he loves spoken word and devised theatre, and also classical pieces. But that's one of the reasons we brought him on board, because he loves this, this, this mm-hmm. creative storytelling process. Mm. Um, but he's a very busy man. Yeah, because um, you've got the uh, theatre in Copenhagen as yep, well. Yeah, and, and it's some international projects. So we, we sort of beg, borrow and steal him mm. when we can. Uh, yeah. Mm. Well, all right. We touched on something that's interesting, I think, uh, when we were talking about you doing your third draft right yeah. now. Like, when is the point, when, when do you know a script or a, an illustration or a rehearsal for a play or, or, or whatever you're doing? When, when is it ready to 
be presented or when is it overworked and when is it you know well i think i'm not sure but i think it was picasso who said that uh he was talking about painting and you know, art is never finished it's just abandoned yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. exactly um, and do you feel that way um well there are plenty of times when i've done a piece and uh, it's been to the printers and I, it comes back and it's like yeah i should have done that mm. but mm. nah Mm. Right. Mm. I think it's just it's just like I don't know. I, I I have a short film that I shot in 2011. I'm still not done with it. And, right. Yeah. You know, and I'm that's like, a post production thing. Exactly. Yeah. And my script, I started writing it in what was it? Uh, like three years ago mm. or more. And I'm still not done with it. And I I don't I don't know. I I I like that's the worst question for me. Ever. Yeah, like maybe you guys know better about it, but I, I don't think because you finished too few things. <laughs> <laughs> I finished some things and I hate them, and that's now I'm trying to make it as good as possible. And there is no, there is no limit. I mean, when you are writing or working on it, there is no end. There is no limits. But when it's done, then it's uh, you have to pay the consequences of the words you wrote yeah. or the you know. The camera angles you decided to do, or the or the the angle you went with in the performance, for example, mm-hmm. or like the the shows of takes or mm. yeah. But when is that? When uh, when do you do you feel like okay, it has to be done now? So I just have to walk away from it, abandon it, like you say, or deadline. yeah, yeah, <laughs> deadline or when you enter the stage. It's yes. like well, That's I have it. to show what I got. Yeah. Basically. So in that That's that right. case, a deadline is a good thing because it has to be done right then. Do you, if you don't have a deadline, do you put a, do you give yourself a deadline? Like you, when you do a script? You sort of do, but then you end up adapting to new deadlines all the time. But mm. A film script is not like something you can't just throw yourself at it. If it's a feature film, when mm. you have a script, you can't just say, okay, I'm going to go out and film this now. No, because mm. you've got to have, you have to have a cast, you have to have costumes, mm. uh, art direction, you have to have a DOP, you need a camera, you need lights, you need uh, mm. someone to record the sound, yeah. unless you're doing a, a mute film. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's just not... So the decision when you write a feature film script, which is a big thing, uh, the decision of saying, this is it, this is what we're going to shoot, that moment is... I would, it's probably imposed by when have you actually gathered, let's say, 60-70% of the financing to, to make the film. That's oh, okay. when you're going to say, all right, this is it, we're going for it. Mm. Yeah. And it's in most cases nowadays, I would say in Scandinavia, particularly uh, Sweden more than in Denmark, the scripts are never really finished when you start shooting. Okay. No. They would probably, most of them gain a lot from another year of development or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got the financing, so now we're shooting it. Uh, mm. So it's basically so the financiers in that case who say, this, is, okay, this is, is good enough for you, you need to a, give you money. It is in a way, because you, sort of, you start financing already when you have a, when you have a synopsis or, or a treatment. That when you, that's when you start trying to find people to get interested in the story and say, all right, we have something here, we want to shoot this, let's start developing the, the script. Then the script writing period, that can be anything from six months to five years or, or even more. Mm. And it all depends on how good is the first draft, how close is that to a real version? Do we need to bring in a second script writer to keep developing it? 
when it comes to feature film, it's such a huge process. It's yeah. impossible so to see when it's ready to shoot. And, yeah. It's just impossible. Yeah. Uh, it's a gut feeling thing, and it's and sadly a financial thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, I always find film a little frightening because I always feel that the end result depends on what they do in the cutting room at the end. Yeah. You never know what they're going to pick, really what the angle is like. Mm. Um, it, it doesn't depend so much on you, whereas as a live performance, it's in your hands. Mm. On the other hand, I think the essence of, of performing arts or, or creativity is that it is always in flux. It's in a mm. constant state of change. Mm. No matter how much, I mean, method acting, how much you may have poured over mm. trying to find veracity and pull it out of you and planned it. But then what actually happens, I think, that it's like having a baby. I mean, at the moment of creation, well, you, don't, you, you cannot really predict it. You don't know. You may have certain strategies or planned it or rehearsed it, but mm. you, you never really know what, what, what it's going to be. It, it plops out there, doesn't it, mm. in, in, in people's minds. And, yeah. and I also, it's, it's odd also, I think, I've, I've done not, not much filming, but then to see myself on film, I always think, oh, God, really? Is, is that yeah. what, mm. what I look? Oh, mm. and it, I, I actually sort of hate it. Whereas I think one of the advantages of being a live performance artist is mm. you never actually have to see yourself. Mm. You're just working on this dynamic process. It's you and the audience. Mm. And, and hopefully, unless you're really hopeless, you the <laughs> dynamic works. You get a response, mm. you get a sigh, or you get a giggle, or you, you, you get that stillness, you know, when you can hear a pin drop and everyone's hanging on your on the next line, which is wonderful, doesn't always happen, but you feel, okay, I'm, I'm creating magic. And you can't predict that. So I think this creative process, it's, it's never-ending. It doesn't yeah. end. I, I have a question yes. for the, the script writers. When you write a, a line of dialogue in a, in a script, do you imagine how the performer's going to do it, the actor? Do you, have, do you have an idea, or you let it fly? Do you want to go first, or should I? Um, go first. <laughs> um, so... In a script, the written dialogue, for me, is a guideline. It's never the finished line. Everyone works in a different way, yeah? Some, some script writers uh, value every single word and wants you to say exactly those words, but I find that many times quite opposed to what would come out naturally from a performer or an actor. So I like to, I like to have read-throughs with my actors... Uh, where we sit down and, 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 you know, basically find out, are we going to say this or are we going to say something else? So for me, a written line is, is a guideline. It's the message that needs to come through, but it doesn't necessar- necessarily have to end up like that. Mm. I think writing a perfect dialogue for a film is virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there are hundreds and thousands of scriptwriters out there who, who are going to scream and oppose me right now. <laughs> but I haven't, I have, I don't know. After 19 years of filmmaking, I still haven't done one single shoot day where we haven't sh- changed the lines, with very, very extremely few exceptions. Mm. And it's not because the lines are badly written. It's just because no matter how much you imagine what it will sound like, when mm. you put it in the mouth of the mm, actor, yeah. it does sound in a different way every mm. single time, basically. But a lot of times that comes from the actor too, though. Yeah, it I does. Guess, it does. Say, yeah. I, I, can, I, I can't say this because it's really weird. No, in my, and, <laughs> yeah. In my mouth. yeah, and yeah. and and I've had to do that many I, times. Yeah. The actor is right, and sometimes you just need to find. Uh, another option mm-hmm. but mm. it's, it's the most difficult thing in the writing process to write the lines I think it's definitely the biggest challenge for any scriptwriter. 
Well, also like what we were discussing during the break, uh, it has to do also with the style of uh, scriptwriter that the person is. Because there are very some people, I think maybe we are very visual, mm-hmm. and there are other people that are very good about writing like bits, uh, like this a little thing, and then, like it, it builds different parts of the script so that the flow of the plot goes through it. And there are other people that are very good at dialogue. Like they, 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 when they think about a movie or a scene, they think about two, two or three people interacting and talking. Maybe those are the very good people for, for example, Richard Linklater. He's really, really good at, at writing dialogue. And all his movies are two people walking and talking for like one and a half hour. Um, and while there are other people like, like uh, Josh Whedon, that he's very much about this scene and then this scene and then this scene and how they connect he doesn't really know but he works a lot about that mm. I think a lot about like a visual like somebody walk, looking out the window and that's a scene and and I, I agree with with, with uh, Henrik uh, a lot of the thing is um, you, you you create this scene thinking about the characters I think that's what you think before maybe you even cast anybody you think about the characters and then when the person comes uh, you have to kind of make this kind of weird uh, mix between the person and or the actor and the character. And then when you do the rehearsals, then you can understand, is this a person that talks very fast, a lot of things, so you can fit a, a big dialogue into 20 seconds, or is somebody that it's more like one look and one word, and that's, that's what it is. So mm. it's a lot of the process, and also after editing, that's when you really go with mm. the what is, what is the thing that conveys this take and this take, and you know mm. you can cut the whole dialogue or, or half of it. Or, so yeah, mm. it's, it's a difficult question, but yeah, mm. I think a lot have to do with. Uh, the, I mean, you always try to make like a frame, and then the actor, the performer, uh, the performer fill it up, mm. like give life to. Mm. the character and the dialogue mm. you try to make a good frame a good base so that they can flourish yeah it's interesting it, it's very different from the theater then because in the theater the written word is is holy yeah, oh, yeah that's yeah. what you're paying the performing rights for and then i mm. i went to a lecture once with um Harold Pinter, his sort of second in command, his assistant who worked with him for years, and he said Pinter was manic about nobody changing one single word of any line ever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. these poor mm-hmm. actors sitting there dripping with sweat in, mm-hmm. I think it was Hampstead Theatre in London, and, and he would just explode and throw, throw the book at them in the middle of rehearsal saying, that's not how I wrote it, because they mm-hmm. put a the or and in the wrong place. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Just, mm-hmm. and I think, oh my yeah. God. David Mamet's like that too. Is he? Yeah. Is he? yeah. He actually thinks that actors shouldn't act. They should just say the words that I wrote. Because <laughs> they're okay. good. <laughs> yeah. More but, but a lot of it is not just the words, but also like the, 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 the pacing, the, 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 the volume of voice. Like It's not the same to say I, I love you that I love you. It's like there are so many hundreds of mm. different versions. So yeah. it doesn't matter so much you know, the words, but the, 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 the feeling behind it. That's what I think. That's why I, I barely ever care about so much about the dialogue. And in my movie, I, I just write things and I'm like, all of this is going to change. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of the idea of what I want to, mm. these people to interact with. Uh, it's not, it's not, uh, we're not, uh, we're not 
taking the importance out of the written word. The written mm. word is there, and it might, I mean, there might be a line said in the first two minutes of, of the film that is extremely important because it reconnects to something that they say in minute 89 mm. that needs to be said exactly like that. So, yeah. of, of course, the, you can't change everything in a dialogue uh, when you're on set. You have to respect the written word, but... And of course, to reconnect with your question, of course, when you write it, you imagine how it's going to sound. You do. You do. But the thing is that that imag- imagination, I think, it rarely, rarely corresponds to reality because then the actor enters w- mm. with mm. with uh, his or her interpretation of how to say those things. Mm. And, uh, and as Christian says, you can say a line in, in 30 different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you need to find the correct way together with the director who also has a vision of, mm. of what he wants to tell. There is a change in that nowadays, though, maybe from 10 years back or something, which is with the, the new quality TV shows that run season after season after yeah. season. Like, uh, let's do the master example of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones has a whole bunch of lines that are absolutely epic that are going to stay as quotes Mm. through tv history forever they could never have been written in any other way and i'm sure they did not change on set Mm. they were written Mm. like that in the books they were written like that in the scripts and they Mm. are like that because they have to be like that Mm. so it's not like the written word changes all the time it does not Mm. but Mm. it has to change that that it sounds like it comes from the real, the character that says it, and it yeah. needs to be authentic. Yes. And that's why we a lot, many times, do change it in the mm-hmm. end, because mm-hmm. it needs to feel and, and, and sound authentic. Um, I, I'm not in the film industry, uh, mm-hmm. so you feel free to correct me, but I was thinking, uh, if, uh, if, you want the, if you want the actor to present it a certain way, isn't there something called Riley or Riley's you put in brackets underneath the the actual Oh, like piece. you put the emotion... Yeah, like the, this yeah, is supposed yeah. to be said mm. this way. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Urgently. Rarely. Brackets. Mm. Rarely. Okay. Yeah. It, 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 it happens, but rarely. <laughs> Most of the times you would leave that to the director and the actors mm. to interpret the text, which is basically I, their I job. I put a lot of that, mm. actually. That might be a mistake, but like sometimes but then, I feel that. But you're directing as well, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's more for me like what, what's the emotion mm. behind mm. it? Yeah, maybe if I will write for other people, then I will I will leave it like that. But uh, but for me, it's like you know, what is the what is the emotion at this moment? Uh, but yeah. I was taught the worst thing you can do in the rehearsal room in the theater is to turn around to the director and say, "I don't like this line." I don't want to say it. Why is it here? And basically, they fire you. Just, just leave. Really? <laughs> because that—that's your job. Your job is to find mm. the veracity uh. in in the line that they've given you. Well, mm. in film and TV, that happens all the time, especially if you're higher up. You know, yeah. like yeah. I, I've seen actors. I'm not going to name names who just start sulking. Like I'm, I'm not going to say that and go sit in the trailer or car until, until something's changed. <laughs> you know, sure. So sure. Yeah, yeah. get that well, too. But maybe if you're a day player and like lower down. Maybe you shouldn't do that and start no. making demands. No, no. Well, you, well, my experience is obviously low end. If I was Tom Hanks, I guess I could do what I wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He wouldn't, though, because he's so nice. <laughs> so nice. That's what we I was going to ask you about how, because this is like in, in comics, uh, uh, it's quite the opposite. 
because you write a story and then you kind of put the the well, like the imagery that that fits into that it, uh, kind of it depends uh, i have different ways of working sometimes i have uh, like just recently i did uh, a comic strip uh, that was a birthday present uh, there are just uh, I had an idea, and it just de- developed from dialogue, and then I was thinking, like, how should I mm. draw this, because yeah. I had a dialogue. Uh, then other times, I'm sent a script to work from, mm. uh, and then there's, like, panel one, this is what we see, and this is what's supposed to be said. Yeah. And panel two, this is what we see, and okay. this is what's supposed to be said. So I usually, uh, I print it out, and then I sketch thumbnails of mm. my first impression of when I read the description of what yeah. the panel is supposed to look like, I sketch it out very loosely in a thumbnail, read it, read it through and do that all the way through, and then I let it sit for maybe a day or two, and then I read it through again, and mm. maybe have a different angle, mm. or yeah. uh, like mm. this is the first mm. time I, saw, I read it, maybe I saw a bird's eye point of view, yeah. like maybe the second time I read oh, maybe... A lower angle it'll be better mm. yeah. over a shoulder or is it mm. face on mm. yeah cool well, when you when you draw a comic you're basically the director and actors yeah everything <laughs> yes. rolling yeah. into one yes. do you feel like a director more when you do that uh i usually have it all played out in my head and then just have to connect it with my blasted hand. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also like you're the director of photography because you have to find the, yeah you're like, the, yeah. exactly mm. and, and that's the like the Framing because you just have one. You cannot move the, you know, no, you have the to panel have... like that. This is the frame. It's like very static. Mm. Yes. You, you focus on one. You focus on the other. Or you put the two of them. Mm. How you? But comics is a very interesting medium like that because you have you can have an entire panel with three different events playing mm. out at the same time, but you have to plan it out there so that you read it from left to right, yeah, and then you have mm-hmm. that event, that event, and that event. Yeah. So it, it's not very limiting. I, I was thinking that since I'm my own production company, I, have to do, I, I do everything myself, yeah. it's, it's more liberating. I'm thinking like you have to work with all different kinds of people. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. like, hmm, I want to do this. I do it. You have mm. to like, I have to consider that and that, and then I have to talk to that guy over there. Yeah. Mm. And maybe we don't have the budget for that. I just do what I want. Mm. Oh, exactly. <laughs> um, I was thinking, uh, I remember back in uh, the episode we did, Simon, uh, that you were saying that you did art uh, for yourself, basically. And I think most of us do, but where where does the line go? Is, is it different for the rest of you? How much you do what you do f- just for yourself, or do you consider your audience at all? And if so, how? I want to hear Emmy on that one. The last film I, I made professionally, tried to, was... I, I had an idea for the audience much more than for myself, and that was my biggest flop ever, because it was like it wasn't there was no heart in it basically. Mm. Um, and nowadays, when I moved back, moved away from the filmmaking industry and more into the video art and performance art and more DIY, at the same time I'm doing more like collective work. Um, you know, I'm in Draw Film and the Film Collective, so we're kind of working collectively there. And also in my performance art, I do more like, even though it's just me on stage, I work with themes that are coming from a collective of like queer theory and like, uh, yeah, queer movements, basically. So um, it's like um, my audience is both the people sitting there 
in the audience, but they are more the us than the we on stage. Like I am on stage mm-hmm. speaking for a bigger we. And to be yeah. honest, I think my audience is the we. <laughs> and the audience is like, I'm like, just listen. You don't have to like it, but just listen. Because mm. I'm doing the art for the we. Yeah, that's so a very arts perspective. Yeah. yeah. So mm. it's, yeah, and I don't really, I haven't really analyzed this yet. Mm. Uh, and I don't know if it sells. I don't think it will sell. <laughs> but uh, who cares about selling? I'm, I just want to make and be able to survive making the stuff I do. And mm. well, I guess that's a question. Like, could you care about selling? Would, would that work? Well, this is this is this is a very good question, and this is this is the balance of what we do. Are we just selling potatoes, or are we or are we creative, creatives? Are we creative artists? It's it's very difficult, and I think it depends. If I'm going out on 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 stage to perform something, I always hope that there's at least one person out there who's my ideal recipient, uh-huh. who will understand and get every nuance and every reference and will see the levels and is absorbed in what I'm doing, and I'm hoping I'll reach one of them. Mm. And, of course, it's lovely if, if you have many people who get what you're doing. But I, I think that's being optimistic. Um, it's also e- it's easy to make stuff that people will like and buy. Um you can, pretty girls in bikinis, you know, Baywatch and and and, and car chases, and I mean, mm. these films make money, you yeah. know. But it, what what do we what do we want to do? Well, there's never a guarantee, is there? I mean, people who do films for making money probably would challenge you on that. Like, no, mm. you never know. <laughs> yeah, mm. I actually think the new Baywatch flopped. Yeah, you oh. kind of did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, I I don't like Rambo, Sylvester Stallone films. No, I'm 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 going back to an iconic classic. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they made millions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rocky. I. It was based on a book. A really good book. Rocky's a brilliant film. Well, the first one. It, the first I, one. It, 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 I can I can understand that it's a it's yeah. a good film, but it's not doesn't good appeal story. appeal to me. Yeah. So it, it's tricky. I mean, mm. the, I mean. I think not everything good makes money, and I think some very bad things make money. In a way, it's like being a performer. Mm. You have some people who become very famous for being in, in, in certain vehicles, and they're not necessarily very very good, or particularly brilliant actors. They're just in a very famous film, and then they keep getting paid by Hollywood. Mm, 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 but And then you get yeah. some... I've seen brilliant people in London where I go to the theatre when I can, and I've seen small fringe groups and, and smaller theatres and I've seen the most brilliant performers yeah. and you, yeah. and half the audience sitting there with tears running down their faces and I think oh my god they give the man an Oscar you know and then you've ne- you never heard of him again nobody's just yeah, yeah, didn't, wasn't yeah, in the right yeah. place at the right time it's, it's tricky yeah. I mean that's almost annoying actually when <sighs> that happens I mean I was uh, you and I Simon we were at a, a tribute band yeah. concert yesterday and I had that thought like some of the best guitarists in the world are found in like pubs doing cover band stuff, mm. and that's mm. almost annoying. <laughs> like, mm, why are they just there? And you know. yeah, but you, you you have to think about the audience. You don't have to think about selling, but you have to think about the audience mm-hmm. at yeah. some stage of your creative process. Mm. Because mm-hmm. even if I I do agree, with you, it has to originate from yourself and your own experiences, your own feelings, your own your own interpretations, your visions of the world, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. You have to think about how is the audience actually, how am I going to transmit this to an audience yes. so that they can receive it. And, mm. and, yes. and not necessarily everyone has to understand your message or what you want to tell or your story, mm. but you, have, you do have to 
think about the fact that someone has to understand it. Someone, yes. You have to reach an audience. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes that's true. If not... Some you, audience, your audience. Your audience, yes, exactly. You have to find the audience for that idea mm-hmm. or that project or that yes. that yes. Uh, that uh, performance or that, uh-huh. that yes, play yes, yes. or that comic or whatever you're doing. You have to think about the audience. Jean, Jean-Luc Godard, the mm-hmm. Godard, the old mm-hmm. French... Uh, Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing film director. Mm-hmm. He he wrote uh, the Ten Commandments for a film director. Oh, okay. Very interesting. The first mm-hmm. nine are "Thou shall ent- entertain." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And the tenth Absolutely. is "Thou shall have the right to the final edit." <laughs> yes, <laughs> fantastic, fantastic. But, yeah, but so so you, I mean, Jean Luc Godard, who's done some really deep deep shit and very interesting stories. Mm-hmm. That that. Are very personal. He has mm. his own language. Mm. It's all very personal. But his first nine commandments for a filmmaker is, "Thou mm. shall entertain." Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Nobody will take it to heart otherwise. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely, it's not absolutely. At all. Mm-hmm. Well, absolutely. And of course, you're right. You can't just sit there thinking about yourself. Otherwise, you could lock yourself in your room and film yourself. And that's that's that. Is that yeah. art? Yeah, but it's only for you. Some people do that on YouTube. Yes, <laughs> they do. They do. But yeah. you're right. It's a dialogue. It is always a dialogue, even if it's a monologue piece, it's a dialogue with the audience, absolutely. Exactly, that's what I meant. There's also a thing about timing, too, because like, like if you're a creative person, you can do a lot of things, and then some of one thing is going to hit the right time, you know, and the right mm. people, and that's going to be like a huge thing, maybe. Mm. And, and this might not be the best thing you do, but it might <laughs> be the thing that at that point, mm. at this audience, and then, mm. you know, it, it connected, like mm. your creative energy... Mm. But in that case, you have to be more creative. You have to do more things in order to find this kind of timing because otherwise, like if you invest a lot of energy and time into one thing and then it's the wrong time, then nobody's going to see it and then it's mm. you know, mm. going to pull you down. Yeah. Mm. I think there always has to be a commercial aspect to the work because if, if you have nobody who comes to see you to watch what, what you do, whether it's film or, or, or what, read the cartoons... If if you have no audience, then then. Well, is it art then? Well, it is. I mean, is art in a room? If you lock it in a black box and, and throw away the key. <laughs> Schrodinger's <laughs> art. <laughs> it's it's it's. it's uh... And if everybody hates you, is it still art? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Still, yeah. Uh... yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Is it art if nobody sees it or experiences it? Hmm. I think it is. Hmm. I think it's still. You know, it still exists. Like like. When Does it they... though? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, 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 that's what I was saying. They're showing her art. Yeah. No, but I was watching an interview of uh, Bukowski, and he was saying that he knew that he was going to become much more famous after he died. Mm. Like people will mm. yeah. find his books, and they will actually appreciate him more than when he was alive. Mm. And of course, I discovered him when he was dead. All right, mm. uh, but his art existed for many, many years before like people actually started caring about him. Yeah. So. Mm. But now today, when we live in a digital world and we pass away and nobody knows our passwords to anything, then (laughs) how are they going to find our, like, Mm. how are they going to discover our work Mm. after we've passed away? Or being able to survive, you know, doing Mm. the thing that you want to do. I think that's maybe the goal of every one of us. Mm. I believe in the ideal uh, recipient out there somewhere. And Mm. and my, Mm. one of my colleagues in Copenhagen, leading man, excellent actor, uh, he was saying, you never know who's watching. There could be two people in the audience. An audience of one is still an audience. And he mm. said, but maybe he is the New York theatre critic. 
New York mm-hmm. Times stage critic said, you don't know. You don't know who's going to be watching. You never sure. know. Mm-hmm. So always give the performance of your life. And it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Is one person an audience, though? Yeah. Well, that's what yeah, we say. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But, but there's a rule. I mean, I think it's an equity rule, there right? Is a rule. If there's, there's rule. more people on stage than there are in the audience, you can, you can cancel. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so right. that doesn't really count as an audience. No, <laughs> no. It depends how penniless and fringe theatre you are. Really. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, sure, so. sure. I've been. I've been to. Well, to strictly to... speaking, though, as long as somebody's watching, it is an yeah. audience. Yes. 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 In the audience, mm. it was only two people, and they well, we were there. We paid the money. We, we loved it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, I was at a uh, we had a, a dance uh, um, performance thing here in town project Room X, and it was really interesting because it, it would different spaces in the venue had different performers doing different things. So you could walk around the building and mm. just oh okay here's something going on, and they just keep kept looping and mm. you could start doing this at seven and it ended at like nine thirty or something like that and um so it was in a continually happening process and it was kind of performance art somewhere and was pure dancing somewhere else and at one point i was in uh, one of this uh, cellar rooms basement rooms and there was a, a dancer performing and all the others in the room left so it was just me and she was dancing her ass off her heart (laughs) and she didn't see because she was totally into her thing and I was like I can't leave (laughs) (laughs) because if I leave and she turns around and there's nobody there (laughs) and you (laughs) see that's it that's the power of art that is theatre magic that Mm. means that means she's created art you couldn't leave Mm. what better audience response can you can you get than that they they won't leave even if they can Mm. (laughs) or would I help if I left and Mm. she noticed that oh nobody's here I can rest we we did this this play Letters and Lovage in, in Malmö after Christmas, Peter Schaffer, which is which is sort of classic British, very verbal, clever, witty, intellectual theatre, and it had political themes and but the, but and a lot of dialogue, a very, very, very British script. Mm. Um and then in after the interval in Act Two, there is a hilarious scene which is very, very farcical, very physical theatre. Where, where the lawyer comes in, pum, titty pum, and, and, and mimes this big, Kevin Benn, my colleague, was hilarious doing it, miming, banging this drum, mm-hmm. and it's a real piece of physical theatre. And it brought the house down. But that, of course, was only, that's only three minutes of a, of a two-hour play. And I know all the, the blood, sweat, and tears and pain were put into all the rest of the play. And now, months later, mm-hmm. occasionally, I meet somebody who says, oh, yes, I saw Letters of Love, and he was so funny with mm-hmm. the drum, pum, titty pum, pum, and I'm going, oh, yes, and he was very funny. But yeah. I was inside, I also feel like crying. And I'm thinking, oh. my bloody monologue when I had tears running down yeah. my face, yeah. and I'm standing there with a wig and my costume hanging off, and we're recreating the vision of the future. Mm. That bit you don't remember? <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping someone yeah. did. Yeah. And they don't yeah. just remember the, the pum titty pum. Mm. Yeah. Different yes, audiences. Yeah. 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 Notice different yeah. things. But I'm interested in another thing to the group. Um, from. You said uh, if somebody, if everyone hates it, is it still art? And a way of making your work successful, like to bring it up to the public eye and the public uh, discussions, mm. is if you have like the anti, the anti work who says, I hate this. Like, you know, how Anna Odell became famous after mm. she had the doctor saying, You fucker. If he hadn't been the fucker to hate her work, she wouldn't have been mm. known. Mm. So you need someone to be like the 
the provocateur. The provocateur. Yeah. Mm. Well, you have to be the provocateur yourself, and then somebody has to be the trigger. Like you trigger somebody to be the diffuse. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And so, and do you do you do that in your work? Do you try to provoke to get somebody promo- provoked enough to promote you? If you see what I mean. Uh, do, do you provoke you to get promoted? When you do stuff? Yeah, like cause uh, I feel like is that something you meant to do? Like I don't know, so it doesn't go. Interesting. Yeah, mm. right. Yeah, yeah. To 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 uh, to already have preconceived haters. Yeah. yeah. Well, there, there is a genre of theatre that is like that. Uh, the, the, the angry young men sort of genre of... of it, it does exist. Uh-huh. It doesn't do anything for me, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think as long as you as you bring an emotion... Like, mm. I, I think, like, with art, you have to bring some kind of, like, uh, spectrum of emotions. Mm. So hate and, and love and, and despair and... and and all these all these emotions have to be bring up, and I think mm. a good piece of art has to, has to have a, a little bit of everything. Mm. Uh, you cannot go. That's what I was saying before about having these contradictions of emotions. Like you cannot just go with this is this is a love story and this is mm. an action story <coughs> and so on. You have to bring all these elements. Uh, and if somebody hates it, still still an emotion. Like I think when you when you don't have any response to something, that's when you fail. That's when something is not art. It's like, oh yeah, I mean, blah, but whatever. I think the only reaction you don't want is indifference. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Exactly. That's, anything else is good. Yeah. Hate yeah. is very good. That means you definitely. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, true. No, you, are you getting a response? Strong reaction. True. Strong response. But should, true. You, should you be like consciously provocative, or should you be like, oh, I didn't think it would be this, it would be received this way. Mm. Don't you think that depends on the project, then, on the idea? On... Because there, there are, se- I'm sure you have too, but I've had several ideas that I know would be very provocative to do, mm-hmm. but considering uh, the day and age we live in, where it's mob mentality and going on with yeah. everything, uh, it's, it's kind of fri- frightening sometimes yeah. to actually be an artist. Yeah. I don't know how people will react to this because I've seen so many bad things happen to other artists who've mm. been expressive in mm. a certain way. Isn't it part of the task we have to, to provoke mm. when we can? To shake the water. Yeah. yeah. yeah check the trees. Yeah. I mean, I totally understand, that I, and, and depending on who you provoke as well, mm. of course, but mm. provoking isn't that part of all art in a way? Yes. And you I, have to be I, able to stand your ground as well when it yeah, comes to yeah, not, not just do something to be provocative, no. just be able to. I want to do this because I want to say something about this, not just mm. agreed. Yeah, I want to do something provocative. No. No. Agreed. Uh, they say theatre is always political, is one mm. of the things they say, even if it's it's a non political play, but there's mm. there's. There's always a message. There's always sure. a, a hidden knife. There's. I think if you have nothing to say of any relevance or importance whatsoever, then you probably shouldn't be saying it. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, exactly. Of course, it can be entertaining. I mean, you can sing Winter Wonderland or White Christmas, but, uh, uh, which is nice. Mm. But I, I don't. Well, I, it depends what you do with it. You could make it a pointed political message somewhere. The KKK rally. I mean, you could. I mean, you could do it on a hoverboard in stilettos. In a, in a in a bikini Christmas tree theme that I think you could do lots with it. I mean, it's, it's... using it. Uh, no, but I think as like like if you're an artist, you have to be brave. First of all, yeah. like you have to 
deal with rejection, which is like ninety percent of like all we do. Mm-hmm. It's just to be like, oh shit, okay, I suck, but whatever. I have no money, okay, whatever. Like nobody likes what I do, whatever. I don't know what to do. Uh, but you have to be brave, and also you have to be brave with what you would you state outside. Like this is what I want to do, and if you don't have that, I think I don't think you should do art. Like if you don't have anything to say, any, any kind of like uh, thing to to come out with something that that that, that really vibrates with with you with your fears and your your insecurities and all that. Yeah. Then you shouldn't you shouldn't bring it up because otherwise it's always going to be like yeah maybe I'm trying this thing and it's not it's, enough to say I want to make a film. No, no, no. Or I'm gonna make be a performer, or I'm gonna be an actor. Like, no, you have to have some. Like, also, like when you cast actors, like I always try to see, like, uh, is this person the act, the character that I'm looking for? That's that he has that these damaged sides, or this bravery, or this innocence, or this whatever that the character has. Because otherwise, if even if you're a great performer, but like I don't know, for me, this is very particular for me. Like, if it doesn't have that thing that the, that the character has. Then I, I wouldn't put them together. I wouldn't mm-hmm. like because the the character doesn't speak to the actor and so on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if I'm gonna make a movie that doesn't have anything to do with 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 what I believe, uh, then I I, I don't want to do it. I think there's a very interesting color, correlation. One one of the things between um, it, with casting between mm-hmm. the, the the performer and the the character mm-hmm. and and the role, and obviously mm-hmm. there has to be a link or a connection. Yeah. It's got to be real it's got to be sincere i mean yeah. method acting is is becoming the person if you can mm-hmm. not just pulling out a side of yourself that matches but actually yeah. sort of leaving yourself behind and and becoming something else mm. but that is still part of you because it's you doing it and not all actors mm. are method actors and i'm not a method actor mm. but i can i can see where it's coming from mm. but then you have in the industry they have typecasting or if they want a big mm. you know pockmarked tattooed beefed up yugoslav Mm. thug mm. To, yeah. in, in, a, in a film the easiest quickest way is to find one yeah. and or, they give or find him, one who looks like it or who least. looks like that yeah. and give him three lines and, and, and after 50 takes he'll, you'll <laughs> eventually find one you can use but yeah. I mean that's that's another way of doing it and I think if you but if you want another if you want a I don't know a, a Robert De Niro performance or you want a live performance you're going to find have to find someone else Mm. To to do it, exactly. It's it's very interesting. Mm. Well, where where is the line? Where do you draw the line? You mentioned yeah. that you wanted to see that the, the when you look at a performance, said you wanted to see that they're wounded or that they have. yeah, like that they, that they have the thing that the character has. Yeah, because like I, I don't know. For me, it feels like even if you find a great actor, uh, but it, uh, we are talking about a specific feeling of like uh, abandonment. Mm. Uh, let's say that this person grew up with. A, you know, a mother and father in a very stable family, live in the same city all the time, uh, when went to school, like that emotion is going to be very difficult to bring sure. out from somewhere because it has no abandonment uh, feelings sure. or sure. Um, so person that is very extroverted and like have to play this character as very introverted and, you know, mm. it's difficult to put these two together. Sure. Uh, sure. So I was, it's more about that, about the feelings. Uh, sure. I, was, I was talking before about the like storytelling and you have to have a certain emotion a certain feeling in order to, mm. to tell the story sure. Sure. Um, so the conflict within you sure. uh, so and I think that that's why that's how you can portray good art by having this 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 inner world that, that needs to come out like as you said um, 
about like a therapy that's the same thing you 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 literally quote Bukowski word by word almost <laughs> was saying like he needs to write two three times a, or three four times a week because he's otherwise he feels bad about not writing so and I understand mm, that it's therapeutic. Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's a fringe theater group uh, at the moment in Copenhagen and they're doing queers mm -hmm. which is the famous iconic text about um, when homosexuality became legalized and that whole process, mm -hmm. uh, iconic pieces. And it's interesting that the, the, the person behind this, this choice, this production, is not homosexual at all, which, mm. which is also an interesting choice. And then you mm. think, well, does he have a right to do this piece? Because he's not homosexual. Of course he has a right to it. But uh, right, but it's a shame that they don't use one who is, maybe. Because there's a lot... It's the, that discussion about transgenders. Like, maybe you should use a transgender person to place a transgender person because there are transgender actors and if they can't get jobs playing what they are... <laughs> <laughs> what what jobs are they yeah. going to get? Yeah, so it's a representation thing, I'd say. Mm -hmm. And then you get Eddie Redmayne and it's all good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's okay. As Scarlett Johansson is going to play a trans man in the next, uh, the next collaboration with Ghost in the Shell director. Oh. And they've already tiptoeing on the yellow yeah. face situation right. exactly. in Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. 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 Whereas I thought that was actually... I mean... It's more Prior okay with Ghost in the Shell think, because uh -huh. they in in the Ghost in the Shell series they said that she is designed to look like a Westerner. Exactly, so and it, it makes sense okay. in the film because yeah. it's cyborgs, right? Yeah, exactly. So. Back to that. Yeah, back to my. <laughs> anyway, I mean, like if 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 you watch if you've watched the Danish Girl, I don't know if you did. But I haven't. No. Uh, if, if, just bits if, of it. If, uh, if you see Eddie Redmayne's performance, I mean, everybody talks about Alicia Vikander in that one, but. Uh, you sh everybody should watch Eddie Redmayne in that film because that is a masterclass in acting because there is a, such a diminutive change in his personality in almost every scene through the film and it's so mm -hmm. meticulously studied mm -hmm. how he is performing mm -hmm. and how he's going through those changes turning from a man to a woman um you cannot do that unless you are an outstanding actor. Whether you're queer or not doesn't matter in that particular case mm -hmm. because you have to be that such a brilliant actor yeah. to do, yeah, and, and he's to got do those millimetric changes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So cast a queer to play a queer for sure. But I mean, I think Eddie Redmayne in that film proves that what you should have is the best possible actor. Mm. Yes. Well, he started out Being, as just a, a guy, so he, yeah, he had the yeah. spectrum. Yeah, so he, he does, yeah. but he's feminine. He is a bit feminine from. Yeah, the that's sure. Yeah. I was, I was I mean, gonna go with that. Like he has to have something just, that speaks to does. him. He does. In order he does to, have to that go, from exactly. the start of the film that you wouldn't have. And then uh, it just grows. Uh, and what's grows the name of grows. Superman actor? Henry Cavill. Which one? Yeah, Henry Henry Cavill. Like you wouldn't have Henry Cavill to no. do that journey. Well, like, maybe, maybe he could. I don't maybe know. yeah. I don't know if he could, but Eddie Redmayne yeah. does it, and he nails it, and he's not. As, as far as I know, he's not queer. Maybe he is. I don't know. I have um, no idea. Maybe he is, yeah. but I don't. I think, you know, I would cast a queer to to play a straight guy. But then again, oh, yeah. there's yeah. because he's a good the, actor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Actors, yeah. you, you, actors take on roles to present them, exactly. uh, present exactly. a story. I mean, so, exactly. But you have to have something that vibrates in a human level to yeah. that character. We have right. Neil Patrick Harris in right. How I Met Your Mother. Yeah. 
Mm, another another example. Yeah. Oh yeah, a queer person playing, playing, uh, playing straight the straight person. person. That's yeah. not, not that's a lot. It was like no straight man was Show like, oh, we should have a straight guy yeah. play that. Oh. I mean, yeah. it's brilliant. We can never get any jobs. Do you know the series Modern Family? I haven't watched it. Okay, no, because there's a they're they're also a homosexual couple, two two chaps, and one of the actors. Uh, is 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 uh, straight, mm. which is which is an interesting choice. And then one of the scenes, one of the episodes, it's one of my daughter's favorite series, so I watch it a lot with her. Uh, he actually puts on, he pretends to be a bit of a jock for some mm. reason, mm. something to do with work. And I remember thinking, oh wow, he does that convincingly. He doesn't seem gay at all when he does that. Oh, and then okay, when yeah. I googled him, I was like, oh. Okay. It would have been very nice if he were to try to play jock-ish and fail because he's just too gay-ish. <laughs> yes. But so, so that would be th- a third layer, you know. Would be. Mm. Yeah. Returning to the Batverse as well, uh, Ruby Rose just got casted as uh, Batwoman. Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. An openly gay character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. True. I think he's a great casting. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was thrilled when I read it. Yeah, yes. That's yes, perfect. Absolutely, yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Because it's a complex yeah. character, I think. But I think that that's about performance itself. That like, uh, I don't think um, gender or, or or sexual orientation has nothing to do with with performance. It has to do with with the human emotions. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when when I was writing my story, I, I started writing with the male character in mind. Like that was the main character, and as I was writing, I started to realize that that's not the main character of my story. She is. Mm. Mm-hmm. She's wow. she's the one with the journey. She's the one with the story, with the conflict, with everything. So I I I I went to that version. It became a better story compared to if I was going to to the male character. And um, and I think that that's because uh, she has more to do with me and my my mm-hmm. journey that I, what I wanted to portray in the story. Mm. Uh, so I think like if a straight actor want to perform a gay uh, character. Uh, just have to tap into those emotions, uh, yeah. yeah, and that's pretty much it, I yeah. think, and, yeah. and the other way around. Yeah, uh, as long as we respect minorities, and like if there's a role for a minority person, that should be yeah. played by a minority person. Yeah. I like, I, mm. like I mean, yeah. Sami Blood would never have been Sami Blood if he has, you know, yeah, if he had didn't have Samis playing those roles. Yes. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, how they yeah. casted this uh, from a few years ago, uh, Aloha, yeah. uh, the oh, film yeah. where was it uh, Emma Stone? Emma Stone as uh, half Asian, something like yeah, mm. half Asian, half Swedish. Doesn't I think work. she was meant to. Oh be really? Okay. Yeah, okay. Like, that's why I'm so blonde. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My mother is Swedish. Mm. Yeah, like, that's but, how it works. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Mm. Yeah. And of course, that's the reason I think drama schools don't want to take in students too young because then they have as you say they have nothing to work off yeah. you need to have mm. some experience emotional complexity with you mm. otherwise how are you going to you know play you know Electra with murder oh. and infanticide yeah. as you mm. say you've only lived in a suburb I mean where are you going to get that exactly. from exactly unless you are very very open because that's another yeah. thing that like when you're yeah. very open you can take the material yeah. and bring it back yeah, yeah you need imagination that's depends yeah. on what yes. suburb yes. you live in well I think yeah. imagination is more important than experience when it comes to acting uh, slightly above you know yeah, uh, but that's yeah. Uh, that's just my yeah. opinion. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and training, of course. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But you tr- you can train your uh, imagination uh, in that yes. way. I think. Yes, yes. To just try things out. How how 
will I feel when I think about this and uh, mm. what would I mm. Yeah. Mm. That, but that, that would be the same as, an, as a writer too uh, that you you know maybe the story that you're writing has nothing to do with you but then you have to do the research and mm. put yourself in the position and, and everything mm. uh, in that case you have to have a great, great imagination to be able to tell the story like in a Frank if you have nothing to do with that kind of story mm. and Frank <laughs> That's sure. the Spanish pronunciation. Yeah, all right. Sure. Anna Frank. <laughs> I think it must be very liberating in one way to be a cartoonist, and I've always admired people who are because mm. you have both you have both the visual and the the text, and you're in control of everything. I think often illustrators just illustrate and writers mm -hmm. write, but you you have you have it all, and you're mm. not limited. You you don't need like a special effects budget. You don't need to no. convince to find the right actor. No. You you no. you do it all in your in your little square. Which I think is is very liberating. It can, it often is yes, uh, but uh, I often seek uh, outside not approval but outside point of views. Like I, it, every every now and then I turn to Peter because he has uh, he has a history as an art a cartoonist as well. Yeah. So I turn to him. What do you think about this? What should I do? What, is there anything I could change? Just yesterday. We were talking about a piece that uh, I was contemplating changing, and he was like, "Yeah, it makes more sense to have it that way." And when I got home, I changed it. So it becomes kind of a team effort, anyway. It's, yeah. Even though it's a one-man show. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I think um, a previous guest, uh, Tony Kilstam, who's been uh, our t teacher as yeah. a, a comic book artist, uh, he's. It seemed like he wanted to be a film director. <laughs> but he just became a comic book artist instead because he said one day, I remember in class, that uh, uh, it's like making a movie, but you don't need a lot of money. You don't need this. You don't need the actors. You can just do everything yourself. Like a, if you were an introverted and poor <laughs> wannabe film director, become a comic book artist instead and write your own scripts and do everything. And um, Yeah, it is, I guess. Absolutely. You know. I think it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, well, but then again... Uh, Turning back to have film and comics, uh, one thing I loathe is when, uh, since there's a, like a surge of uh, comic book movies now, when you use the source material, the comic, as the storyboards. I loathe that. Mm. Uh, this, they should take, you should take inspiration from the comics, sure, yeah. but don't use every panel as a storyboard. Use it as inspiration. Otherwise, you're like you're just making the comic come to life. Literally, you're mm. not making your own product. And you don't want to see that. Oof. Okay, mm. I kind of well it depends. You disagree? I kind of yeah. I cannot do. I cannot do. I saw uh, the Batman. Uh, I was thinking about Silver Surfer. Uh, uh, that story when he's when he wants to quit. Uh, I mean, when when he talks a lot about it's a very meditative story uh when he's like i think he's quitting right he's dying uh well it's, it's a very beautiful drawn he doesn't want to work for galactus anymore well uh, something like that thing? yeah and uh, he he was he talks a lot about why he spent so much time on earth mm. and it's because he he's fascinated about human beings how they lo love and hate each other how they appreciate like things more than people how they are so similar and then they fight with each other all the time and and he's so beautifully like uh, drawn and and Or like Kingdom Come, uh, which is mm. also oh, so... Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favorite graphic novels of all time. Um, 
and I would not like not to see certain panels uh, or certain visual. But of course, you shouldn't. I mean, you should capture the spirit. Yes. I mean, have have you seen uh, Batman Killing Joke? You mean the anime? Yeah, animated. Oh, that's so horrible. That was horrible, yeah, that was and that so... that was that was panel by panel, and then they added a little thing at the beginning, which felt so disjointed. Yeah, I know that story was like, yeah, I know, but uh, yeah, but that's a different thing because they didn't capture the, the the essence of the story. It looks different, uh, and yeah, they take certain frames as a reference, uh, but. But but no, <laughs> no not at all. Agree yeah. to disagree? Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yes. It depends. I think you have to capture the essence. You have to capture the essence of then you the have story. Sensitive, with, uh, the uh, Robert Rodriguez film. Yeah. Oh yeah. With, with Frank Miller. Yeah. Which has a lot of panels. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. They use the store the and panels as storyboards. So yeah. magnificent. Yeah. Well, in the film as well. So I get. I was thinking about Akira also. I think it differs from time to time. Yeah. Mm. Still, having read the comics, I was like, yeah, mm, yeah it's, well, it, 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 it looks great. It looks great. I, I won't dispute that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Sin City is a beautiful film. Mm. Uh, and it's spot on everything. But still, I mean, I read the comics years ago. So I know. Mm. Yeah, and you read after so the movie? Though. I read them before I watched the movie. Okay, okay, okay. So did I though. I read I read Sin City when it basically when it came out. Mm. I didn't I still see love the, two, the second one though because don't. Mm. No, okay. <laughs> Frank Miller directed the second one himself. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. It doesn't work. Mm. I think what it probably hinges on in in the long run is the quality of the work that's produced. Either it exactly. works as a, as, a, as mm. an autonomous piece of art mm. or a performance, or it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Now, what, I was thinking about the 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 <laughs> filmmaker wannabe, you know, that becomes a cartoonist, mm. uh, Alejandro Khodorovsky. Mm. Uh, he was a filmmaker, and then when his Dune version didn't mm. came through, he was like, "Well, I have all this material; I might as well use it." Mm. And then he redid it as a comic book, and oh, it yeah, became really successful. He became a very successful comic book writer mm. based on he couldn't make the films because it was too expensive and too weird but mm. it was very liberating to just you know write it and he has Moebius working with him yeah yeah, yeah. see yeah. there's no uh, there's nothing stopping him from making it exactly. as weird as he want to exactly mm. Um, I was thinking when we were talking about because you see you criticizing some some things that other people have been making and uh, <laughs> are you guys thinking about public relations at all in what you do like uh, what to say and how to be and uh, when you're networking I and mean, when you're doing things on social media mm-hmm. and whatever like are you considering oh shit maybe I shouldn't offend that person or maybe I shouldn't be this or maybe I should show my best side or you know anything like that or well it's it i think that you have to be able to like separate the artwork from the artist oh yeah uh like i don't like this particular artwork but that doesn't say anything about what i feel about the artist Mm, great guy or the other way around yeah Mm. As we have today, now we have to ask ourselves: uh, Is if the the creator is a monster, is the art still valid? You know. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And uh, as far as uh, relations, uh, well, I'm in a very small field, 
So, I mean, if... if and you're all on social media, you're almost daring people to, <laughs> to come to you. Like. Well, um, uh, you have to be like, conscious that it's a small field. And if you are a, an arsehole, uh, eventually everybody will find out. Mm. Word of mouth will spread. Mm. Well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> you were, Henrik, you were shaking your head. Before. <laughs> uh, you don't care. Too, too many, talk to us, too many, too many life experiences. Tell the stories. Yeah, but for example, I mean, so when you did your episode, uh, yeah. and after we shut off the microphones, you yeah. told a, a, a behind-the-camera yeah. story that really wouldn't be suitable on, maybe because it would be maybe bad if people knew that you were telling these production things. Uh, yeah. No, because that particular story had some sensitive elements for a public person. And, yeah, I, and yeah. I don't know if I have the permission to go public with that information. Well, exactly. Yeah. So in that case, I just realized I probably needed to be a bit careful. Mm. But it's not... I, I would never be careful displaying my own opinion of something. I would uh -huh, never okay. be yeah, careful yeah. Uh, putting myself out there. But this was putting someone else out there. Mm. And I mm. wouldn't yeah, do that right. without checking with that person first. I think that would be mm. a lack of respect. But you wouldn't consider, like, maybe I shouldn't slag this movie off because when I have the opportunity to work with this director, maybe he will, like, not you. You hate no. my old stuff. Yeah. No. Mm. Well, I have a story about... Uh, an actor that I want to say any kind of relationship with mm. that uh, said that uh, that person didn't like the movie of a friend of mine that is a director and now this director doesn't want to work with this actor anymore because mm. the actor didn't like the movie so yeah uh, yeah these things happen <laughs> yeah I think but I think that you should you should speak your mind you should be honest uh, because like uh, otherwise like if people try to make this like be super nice to everybody then eventually that that mass is gonna fall out yeah and uh, maybe that's it's too flat as well you be, yeah. just become fake and it's not interesting yeah. you're not interesting because uh, you know uh, let's say that old saying that uh, uh, well, all publicity is good publicity. It's not true. We no, know that today, true. but yeah. you know, but maybe there's an element to it. Like uh, maybe you should be a little bit outrageous just to uh, make people aware of you or something. Mm. Oh yeah, but that's that's super cheap. <laughs> well, and not become if, the I mean, critic not, of that person. And no, I mean, like, not if it's uh, genuine. Uh, so if it's uh, oh, the, yeah. the opposite of uh, like patting yourself down. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember when I went, in my episode I talk about Christopher Nolan. Oh yeah. Uh, and then I got this criticism that maybe I shouldn't say that in case I... First of all, I'm never going to meet Christopher Nolan. Hey, uh, you never know. Yeah, well, but, but it's not going to happen, though. But, but if, if it happened, I still have the same opinion. Like, like how much of, you know, if you're a creator, like you, you, it's a collective effort. So how much of his directing is, is the collective effort of hundreds of people mm, compared mm, to mm. him? I, that was never a criticism saying that Christopher Nolan is not a good director. Mm. It was saying that. You know, it's always a collective effort and how much of you as a director is in the movie compared to the whole, everything, everybody acting. Um, you know, it's like, uh, that was my, that was my opinion. And I, I don't retract that and say like, no, I didn't mean that. I really mean that. Hmm. Like if I make a good movie, it's, as, it's because all the people did that great job. 
mm. and I'm that two five percent of my work is is what have worked. That's why so many directors they do good movies and bad movies. It depends on casting, editing, mm. and some sure. things. So, sure. yeah. Mm. so yeah, and mm. then you, sh you should be a provocateur, I think. Yeah. But you now you have uh, James Gunn now. He lost a job for, uh, from Disney uh, to, to do Guardians of the Galaxy three because of some old bad jokes from on Twitter. Yeah, and, that uh, he's already apologized for. Yeah, well, and it, yeah. I think he apologized in the correct way. He was like, "Yeah, I know, really bad jokes. I wanna wanted to have made those provocative jokes, but if they had been funny, it would have been good. But they were just crap, and it's kind of most of them weren't funny at all. So that's the big sin, I would say, because I think also you should you know be able to. Uh, make fun or uh, fun of everything and joke about everything and just uh, your intentions are good. yeah but that's the thing sometimes you can say stupid things and uh, like as long as you don't have bad intentions that's I think it's fine mm. like I say stupid things all the time um, mm. but I don't have bad intentions <laughs> towards people like I say like I, I say dumb shit mm. it's context as well exactly yeah. it's like yeah, it's, if it's, I say I hate you mm. but I don't actually mean that I want to murder you mm. that's it's a different thing but everybody now especially with social media mm. uh, I don't it's think so it, sensitive I don't think it was right to fire James Gunn for that no that's why the yeah. actors are fighting for him yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, at well, least uh, one, Bautista. Yeah. Bautista, yeah. yeah. Oh, I read that they, they were actually making this petition that okay. bring him back. Okay. Yeah, I mm. read it like today, I think. Mm. Yesterday. I don't know. I think that I think that mm. your work and your 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 being should speak for yourself. And if other people speak about you in certain ways or they interpret you in different ways, that's their opinion. But we should always have this discussion. We should always talk about things. We shouldn't try to to you know to be politically correct and say like no no this is you know we should always speak our mind so then we have a dialogue then we have a conflict mm. then we can come forward to stuff not just keep things inside and and try to be good with everybody mm, yeah. am i the okay. only one kind of sort of curious about what someone else could do with guardians of the galaxy me for one i will be quite happy not having to see a close-up of Zoe Saldana's behind every film he makes. All right, oh, yeah, yeah. That's quite, that's a valid. Uh, quite opinion. all right with me. Yeah, I, yeah. I, mm. I think both films, funny as they are, good as they are, are packed with sexism, and mm. I would be happy to see someone else do Guardians of the Galaxy. Taika Waititi could take and, over. Easily. For example, I mean, mm. did, you know, just focus on the story instead of mm. Zoe Saldana's beauty. She's of course, she's beautiful, but you don't need to put that in my face like that. Mm. You don't have to. In 3D. In 3D. <laughs> in 3D, literally, walking up the stairs, following her. Oh, mm. it's a high knee. Mm. No. But also, it, I think... It, mm. uh, you know, I think there might be more than just those jokes to that story that we don't know of. Oh, yeah, it might be. Might be. True. But I think also the, the films in itself can be sexist. But the industry as well, like all the creative fields can be quite sexist. Mm. And I think that the way we behave in the industry can impact us differently because mm. of what we say. Even if we say the same thing, like me as a woman, if I say the same thing as a man would say, mm. I will still be read as being a bitch instead of being opinionated. Or like, oh yeah, he's got such flavor to his personality. Whereas I could be like, oh, she's so difficult to work with. Mm. You know, mm. so it's like mm. you really have to tiptoe to be like... What can I say in this room? Mm. Like, how? Mm. In which ways can I be read as a bitch if I'm in this room, basically? Mm. So it's like it's more. It's, you have to mm. tiptoe around mm. those things a little bit more, which is kind of annoying because I want to be able to be myself and speak my mind, yeah. but it's hard when you're like a minority within a group and you're like, mm. well, so how can I? 
how can I, um, yeah. Well, I consider I, I consider it those things as well, though. But yeah. probably just social anxiety and uh, not being established <laughs> enough to <laughs> feel like ah, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because uh, I I can't constantly before I send something out or say something try to go through it one more time should i say this you know because i stepped in it too many times in the past mm. and you know messed things up not only for myself but also for people around me if i've been on a team or something uh, you know it's i think like i'm speaking as a white cis man now hey, <laughs> uh, uh, that uh, i think that it's always been that way for minorities uh, whether it's been what culture you're from what type of skin color you have what kind of sexual preference you have uh but uh white men have not had to consider that as much but now with the the me too movement i think many men now have started to like oh wait can i say this can i do this and i think it's a good thing actually Yeah, yeah. Well, some people have gone to the length of feeling, can I hug my coworker now? Yeah. <laughs> and they just don't have the guts to do that anymore, you know, or whatever. Uh, so it's, uh, but yeah, I agree with you. It's probably towards it's the, 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 yeah, the wake up call. Yeah. Probably toward, it, it, pendulums have to swing all the time. So it's the same with like the political climate we have now. Pendulum have to swim, swing all the way over there to, for it to swing a bit back uh, and be, you know, have a counter reaction but it shouldn't be something related to behavior it should be something related to to understanding uh and of of how society could be mm. and it should be because i think that it's very easy to hide your your you know sexist racist uh, um behavior by by you know or tendencies By by behaving better, like oh no, this is how we are, and which I can't, and everything is fine. But inside your head, you're like, oh, fucking die, or some, you know what I mean? Like, Rrr. but you just adapt to, and I that's what I think that you shouldn't do. Mm. Like, uh, who was saying something about? Uh, oh yeah, that we should like you shouldn't debate bad ideas. Oh, you shouldn't add ah, the whole thing about uh, what is the name of the the guy John. The the guy that was uh, banned for all uh, streaming services, the guy with the podcast, uh, Secret Wars or something like that. Uh, the world, Alex Alex Jones. Yeah, right. I think that's his name. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. That, yeah. Okay. He he's he's crazy, mm. uh, and he talks <laughs> weird things. And now he 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 got banned of everything like mm. Spotify, iTunes, everything. And um, people are talking about the freedom of speech. Mm. Uh, But I think like people should speak their mind, even if they are assholes, even if they're weird, they should say that. So instead of, you know, restricting them, you should oppose that with good ideas with, you know, we should create this dialogue mm. like, oh, you're weird, but, <laughs> but speak your mind, because if you don't speak your mind then you're hiding those things. And you still do bad things because yeah. you're not exposed. Still, we have here uh, freedom of speech is one thing. Yes. Mm. But that doesn't mean that you don't have to res take responsibility for what you say mm. as well. We have Spotify. We have YouTube and uh, iTunes uh, or Apple Store yeah. uh, regarding they took down Alex Jones. Mm. They don't have freedom of speech. You have They have a user agreement that you have to sign up. Sign When you sure. go up there, mm, so mm, mm. you you use our platform on our terms. Mm -hmm. If you break them, we kick you out, and that's what he's he's done. But how long did he do that before 
that happened. Like I know this guy from the late 90s. But now it happened. Mm. And how many other Alex Jones or weird people are still talking, but nobody's, you know, it's not because visible. it's the culture now and enough people probably complained. Probably. And, uh, so they were like, okay. Yeah. Exactly. But, mm. but, uh, you know, that's the thing, like, like you, uh, like you're going to start adapting to, to behave in a way that is correct for everybody, but you're still a shitty human being inside. That, that should be the other way around. You should still, you should stop being a shitty person. We all have seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's obvious that if those people who are like advocating the free hate speech, if you put it yeah. like that, mm. if they, uh, I wonder if they are contemplating, contemplating the audience and how it's being received. Because oh, they can be like, well, I'm just speaking my mind. Exactly. But then it's received by somebody who's mm. got more like maybe less impulse control mm. who can behave on those things. And mm. that could be dangerous. But it's like it's so funny how you just you're you you you're part of a chain of a chain reaction. Yeah. You're like yes, but I just did this part. Yes, but you provoked this part exactly. to happen, mm-hmm. and then it's like exactly. so. I, that's just such a such a big philosophical question. I don't think the inglorious artists are gonna <laughs> no, crack that one today. No, not but, today. Ne- next time maybe. Yeah. And also, we have to remember that uh, this old wording that offense isn't given; it's taken. Hmm. Partly true, yeah, I think. Yeah, but yeah, true. Uh, you well, can, you with can with choo- modifications. You can, yeah, with modifications. You can choose not to, like, if somebody comes up and insults me, I can choose either to react or just like, oh, that's like just your opinion, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, exactly. <laughs> which, which is the same thing to do. I yes. think as we, we're all in, in the creative arts or creative industry in our different ways. And I think, in a way, sadly, it puts you in a bit of a vulnerable position because we're all really sort of odd jobbing freelancers okay I'm sure you get you know big projects and we get budgets now and then but in general you're always kind of on the make trying to aren't we you're just Mm. trying to get the Mm. next job and it all and I think in an industry like this it really depends on networking and 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 knowing the right people so although it would be nice to just kind of just be out there and Mm. just be free I, I I don't really think um we have as much freedom as as one one would like I think but I mean if I mean, if you're Woody Allen, you probably pretty much do what you want to anyway. But yeah, and he, he is. He does, yeah. So, you know, but we're not, we're not there. But, of course, there has to be, a, of course, an ethical and or artistic integrity at, at some point. Yeah, kicks abs- in. absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not important. advocating about, like, everybody should be as they want and everything. What I mean is, like, you shouldn't try to hide those behaviors uh, mm-hmm. in order to fit in into the industry because that's going to come out anyways. Like I'm, I'm certain that Harvey Weinstein was very polite to certain people, and they never figured out what he did. And then now he, you know, and he could yeah. have continued that behavior for many years if he would have mm. been smarter, mm. or you know. Yeah, that was quite known in his case. Exactly, yeah. because, he, because then he had the power and could do anything. I, I just realized that uh, the air quotes didn't show when you said "small." Yeah, thing. I see. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I, know. I forgot that we're not shooting. Mm. Yeah. We're, well, you better keep that in. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was air quotes around that word. <laughs> well, on that note, we uh, we had a pretty pretty good discussion here, and uh, thank you all for coming. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Thanks for much. having us back. Yes. yes. Fabulous. Woo-hoo. Fabulous. Mm-hmm. Way too little about performance art. I know. Yeah. Next time. Next time. Well, you have your introduction. Yeah, yeah exactly. When is, when I, hope when I was running you? for my introduction when I was like... Bah, 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 bah. When's yeah. your show? 24th of August. 
Great. at uh, Monmouth Theatre Academy. Mm. Great. And your show is? My play opens the 20th of September at uh, Bastionen. All right. Opposite Central Arts Cool. Amazing. Anyone else? Shows? Show, yeah. Releases? What's the name of your show, Emmy? Oh, uh, it's untitled so far. I call it Det at the moment. Cool. Um, it's, it's Ted Date. backwards. But I think it's going to be Dead. Because it's Ted backwards, but at the T. Yeah, <laughs> Something is dead. Or yeah. just hoverboards on stilettos as well. Oh, I love oh, it. Stilettos on hoverboard, actually. It was hoverboard on stilettos. That would be really <laughs> fucking difficult. I think kills. That's a challenge. <laughs> on hoverboard on a pair of... Oh, my level. God. Yeah, next level. Yeah. Well, I hope you'll come and watch Quality Street. Definitely. I, mean, a, I a night so the remember theater. the chocolates. Good. And the toffees. Good. Oh. And you know what? What? At certain airports around Europe, they still sell them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, you can buy them here in Mama. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, we've, we've been collecting tins like man. If you please oh, give oh, me the yeah. wrappers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you eat the chocolates. They're not, they're, not, they're not all bad. They're very nice. No. It's a toffee like And with that discussion on which quality street sweets are the best, we leave that oval table of inglorious artists. But we might be back with another set of previous guests. In any which case, we're going to be back with another run of episodes, a third season in the fall of 2018. See you then. Bye.